When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Happy Friday and welcome to another edition of Husker Online Headlines with you here all through the holiday week and uh, we enjoy it because there's a lot going on, a lot to talk about with college football and headlines around the uh, country and Husker Nation and uh, we're with you every week here as we break down what we think are five of the bigger headlines in the country. If you're not familiar with HuskerOnline.com, uh, check us out. We're part of the On3 network. Uh, we've got a great deal that you can try out our content uh, for our YouTube listeners and viewers here only. Get two months for $1 by simply using promo code NU1. That's the best deal you're going to get. Um, and that's just for our YouTube viewers and listeners can take advantage of that. But uh, let's get into it, Steve Sipple. Uh, we've got five headlines here to start the week off. And headline number one, and, and this one's still kind of coming together, uh, but next weekend, Nebraska is gearing up for a transfer portal visitor weekend. And um, right now, we know of one for sure visitor, Dante Daldwell, the running back from Oregon, Jamal Banks, the wide receiver from Wake Forest, um, also looking to possibly come in that weekend. And then Idaho linebacker uh, Excree Alexander, formerly an Arizona State commit uh, that is now uh, a Vandal that played one year there, was second on the team in tackles as a true freshman. So he's a four-to-play three linebacker. He, too, could be coming in that weekend. And, um, you know, they're not going to take a lot of guys, but um, this that weekend is starting to come together. Yeah, three, uh, I mean, clear – I would say positions of need, right? I mean, you could use another – I'd say that about running back because I think you can use another hammer back. And Dante Dowdell is 6'2", 218. Linebacker, you need – does this guy look like an inside linebacker to you? Yeah, oh, for sure. Oh, yes. okay. And you need that. I mean, I get – I understand where rule – comes from when he talks about positionless football and you see a lot of that on the defensive side but I do think there's something to be said for chief skill sets and it, it there's nothing wrong with being able to identify a player that fills a certain need for you and I think that uh, Alexander would do that he's he's interesting to me he had 75 tackles as a true freshman at Idaho four tackles for loss um so he's a four to three four to play three guy like Bly Hill. Um, so yeah, I hopefully they can get him on campus. Those are three pretty good guys to get on campus. Yeah. And, and, you know, Matt rules approach with the portal has been kind of what he said it was going to be. They're not, they haven't been crazy trying to get involved in these big free agent situations where, you know, I think there's naturally Husker fans are like, Oh, what about Prince Will's brother, Prince Lee, Uman Yellen or mm -hmm, mm -hmm. ETN, the running back at Florida went to Georgia. I mean, yeah. some of these, I mean, a lot, a lot of, when those guys were in the portal, a lot of dreamers and, you know, oh, are they going to go after those guys? I don't think that's Matt Rule's style. I don't think he wants to go out and buy or overpay for a player. Um, you know, he's not overpaying. The collective would have to. 
um, to, to bring those guys. <laughs> I, should, I gotta be, I gotta preface that properly. I know. Um, I know it's, it, he's looking for guys. Coaches, like, coaches have say in it. Come on. Come, oh yeah. They're, they're not supposed to, but Alexander is a guy like a four to play three, like Bly Hill, somebody that has upside potential. That's probably not going to carry a, a enormous price tag, but there's a lot there to build and work with. Seems like it. Uh, kid, he's a kid from outside uh, high near school. Seattle. Yeah, Kennedy High School, which is right outside Seattle. Um, Kennedy Catholic. Yeah, his dad and brother both played at Washington. Now his brother no longer plays at Washington. He transferred to Montana State. So you, you know, I don't think there's necessarily a hold up there. Although Washington probably will be in on him. Washington State's in on him. Oregon State's in on him. Kansas is in on him. Minnesota's in on him. So there's suitors here. I mean, there's. There's good teams that are interesting. And I, I talked to somebody at Arizona State um, that came in on their new staff there after Herm Edwards, and Alexander was committed to the Herm Edwards regime there. And the scholarship numbers in Tempe were so upside down. They had 48 scholarship players or 46 scholarship players um, when that transition took place that they had to cut loose most of the high school players in the class, if not all of them. And that's why Alexander – um, was cut loose from Arizona State, and he landed at Idaho. Um, you know, and and had a really good year there. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see what happens with him. He would fit in a room that has right now. I mean, it's kind of led by John Bullock, uh, Javin Wright, um, and and Mike Makai Gabayer. Right? Those are those are kind of the lead dogs in that. When you talk about the inside linebacker positions, John Bullock, Javin Wright. Makai Gabayer. Right. And that's and, where he would fit in. And there's room for him to, to be a rotational player. Um, and, you know, there's some other things you can do. Like MJ Sherman could play that position. I think so. And, and that's what's confusing about this for Nebraska fans as they try to build this roster. Um, we still don't know, though, if Alexander is for sure coming in. I, okay. I think the hope is that he'll be in. And, and that's it's very fluid with these transfer portal guys. And January 3rd through 7th is going to be the window that you can bring them in for. Um, before the dead period um, ends on January 12th, uh, but only transfer guys can come in. And Nebraska, like many teams around the country, uh, will bring guys in. And a lot of these guys might only come in for one day because and they're they're going to go on multiple trips. You know that Dante Dowdell is coming though, for right? sure. Yeah, he's the he's the running back from Oregon. What about Jamal Banks? Well, he, he told me that January 5th is when they want to bring him in, and he wouldn't really confirm that it was set set yet but receiver from wake right Forrest. he just said january 5th and still kind of getting it planned out and well he's got other he's got other people after him a lot and, of other people and i'm sure that's part of it you're not going to go i mean you got to test the market a little bit yeah so it probably you got to kind of put yourself in their shoes like we're talking about jamal bangs who's who had a hundred plus catches at wake Forest. he was preseason first team all acc a 64205 i mean he looked good on a lot of rosters and he's he's probably hearing from an assortment of schools, and he's got to determine. You got to narrow down. Where am I going to go? You know, which I can't go to everyone. Where Nebraska, I mean, they can't really tell him this for sure, but I think it's laid out pretty obviously that he would be a number one here. <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, I, his numbers would. I mean, come on, he has 101 catches in college, and I'm not saying Malachi Coleman can't be a number one. No, but, but I don't think you want that pressure on him. Let him emerge into that role. Don't just make him do it. Yeah, or if you just want to take the, like, 
if you just want to put it in bare numbers, this guy, Jamal Banks, had 59 catches. He had 59 catches this year. He has 101 catches in college. That's more than Nebraska's entire room room combined. Now, I read your story about Jamal Banks. There was a scout that said he doesn't get great separation. That's kind of a red flag. But he has great body control, and he's lean and goes up and gets the ball well in the red zone. That's good. He had 101 catches. I mean, that's he's a proven guy. He's a proven guy. And then there's the question on scholarship numbers. How are they going to make all this work? And, you love this question, don't you, and, Sean? I've come up with an, an analogy on like how people manage their books. It's it's kind of like tax write-offs, you know, like savvy businessmen and business owners, you figure out ways to write things off and, and kind of run your business efficiently mm -hmm. within the rules, a gray area, but within the rules, mm -hmm. that's pretty much the 85 scholarship chart right now. It's a small business where you have to kind of figure out write-offs in gray areas that will help your business achieve more yep one way you see like one change you see we talked about the last one of the last shows we had was for years and years they would release the on national signing day they would release the names of the players that signed and they'd be separated scholarship players walk on walk-ons now you get a list of players no alienation it's just players nope. and you know, Camden Cook and Evan Taylor and Xander Rugolari, those are three-star guys with Power 5 offers, but they're coming in as walk-ons. Walk-ons. Tax write-offs. Yeah. <laughs> Gray area. Gray area. All right. Um, Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. Let's take it into headline number two. Um, quarterback Heinrich Harburg, and you wrote about this this week on Husker Online. Quarterback Heinrich Harburg's comments illustrate why hiring a QB coach makes some sense. And Harburg was on the Doug and Daddy show out in Kearney with our good friend Doug Duda um, for an extended 30-minute interview, and you wrote about it, Sip, this week. What were your impressions? Well, there's a lot. I mean, he, you know, we're a lot. there's a lot of talk, speculation that Rule might change up his staff a little bit, and everything everybody's talking about is the possibility of Marcus Satterfield not – he's the Marcus Satterfield's the offensive coordinator and quarterback's coach. There's speculation, there's talk um, that that Matt Rule might, re might remove the quarterback coaching duties from Satterfield and hire a designated quarterbacks coach. And it was interesting, very at the tail end, at the very tail end of this 30 minute interview, Harburg addressed it. It was kind of, and he said, like he's had it both ways at Nebraska. Remember, remember in 2021, he was a red shirt when Nebraska had Mario Verdusco, who was a dedicated quarter, quarterbacks coach, just solely dedicated to tutoring quarterbacks. The next two seasons, he had it the other way, where he had an offensive coordinator who also had the quarterbacks coach's duties, Whipple, and then Mark Whipple, and then Marcus Satterfield. And he said, he said, there's a difference. He said, there's a good and bad to both sides. He said, when the offensive coordinator is your position coach, you know the playbook pretty well. 
you know, you know what he wants you to execute, how he wants you to do it. But at the same time, you spend a lot of time working on that side. Whereas with coach Verduzco, he wrote a thesis paper on quarterback mechanics. So you spend a lot of time on the field, just working on throwing motion, throwing motion. He said it twice for emphasis. And he said, that's originally why I came to Nebraska. So it is a, I've, I mean, I, you know, you've covered that Nebraska football for a long time and, and they're, we've seen various quarterback coaches at Nebraska over the years and some work on mechanics more than others. It's true. And when you have a dedicated quarterbacks coach, you're more, you're, you're going to work on mechanics more. And with a guy like Heinrich Heinrich, who completed 49% of his passes this year, five and three as a starter, completed 49% of his passes, could use probably some work on his mechanics. And not just now, I don't know what Satterfield would say to this discussion, but that but that's what Heinrich said. He said there is a difference. Well, a lot of things got thrown off by just Jeff Sims not being what they thought either. Right. I mean, if Jeff Sims would have been the guy we thought he'd be maybe Dylan Ryle is not even here right now. Yeah. No, Sims is right. coming back another year. Yeah, you're right. And we're not even having this discussion, but because Jeff Sims was historically bad at Nebraska, as far as his numbers, yeah, as far as and you numbers. can't argue that because it, it was historically bad numbers yeah. for no, I'm not arguing. Um, I'm not anybody. I'm just right. that kind of threw things into this tailspin where do you think they ever thought in a million years that Chubba Purdy or not Chubba Purdy, but Heinrich Harburg was going to be a starter for eight games. I would say now, no, no, I, I, I don't think so. No, no, he was now he was he he was co number two going into the season, but no, I don't think they would have thought that. They thought Jeff Sims would be their guy. Oh, and even then, Chubba had more tools and ability. Like Chubba is showing his ability and talent in the portal right now. Cal and TCU are two of the teams that have offered him. Mm hmm. Interesting. I did find it interesting that both Cal and San Jose State have offered. I mean, it's, it's almost like they're trying to create the um, the Purdy package there in the Bay Area. With yeah, I think he benefits. I mean, his numbers aren't that good. I mean, in Chuba himself in a late game or excuse me, a late season press conference just said, "I didn't play that well here, but it's about learning and growing and improving, and that's what he's going to have to do." And how many of these teams can offer him? a clear road to be their number one that we don't know that Yeah, And you know, Boise state was thought to be the team. Yeah. Now he hasn't publicly acknowledged a Boise state offer. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, the, when he went into the portal, that was initially the place that we had heard that he was looking at to go. Mm -hmm. We'll see where it all heads out here. In, in so, January. so, so should Nebraska try to add another? That's the question. I, we've had this discussion a little bit already, and I, I just don't know who that is. Right. Like, can you convince somebody in here that's not going to that that knows what their role is going to be? Right. I mean, you have to get, get like we've said it. You have to get somebody who's good, but not too good. And it's tricky. It's it's tricky to find that guy. There's one other thought I have that I've said this, and it it just goes over people's heads. So I may I may maybe I don't explain it well enough. When I'm reading about Florida State, I'm thinking more and more in this volatile quarterback world where because the transfer portal the quarterback position is so volatile i'll tell you one thing i would be doing if i were a head coach sean i'd be making sure that i have a good walk-on or two in the program florida state is going to play georgia in the orange bowl with a freshman scholarship quarterback 
Brock Glenn. Okay. Okay. If Brock Glenn goes down, they're going to a walk-on. There's two walk-ons behind him. That they got because because Tate Rotomaker went into the transfer portal, left them kind of in a bind for Georgia. That they're a they're an injury away from having a walk-on play against Georgia. At Nebraska, it's not a far-flung notion for that to happen. Where this year you had three guys have to play the position. This coming season, you have three scholarship quarterbacks. It's not beyond the realm of possibility that you would have a walk-on playing a critical role. Now you would say, Sipple, what's the big deal? I, I'll tell you the big deal. It's it's more volatile than it's ever been at that position. I would make sure I got a good walk-on in there. Like they've had Jack Woke and um, Nebraska's had Jack Woke and I don't know who else. Luke Longbell. Yeah. Now, it's hard. I know it's challenging. You could say, well, how do you do that? How do you? Well, like you try to find like the ultimate version of a Noah Bedrill. Yeah. No. Yeah. The ultimate version of an or Noah Bedrill scholarship technically, but Andrew Bunch. <laughs> he started. How about Riker Fife? He started. Yeah. How about Riker Fife? That's a good one. Yeah. Bunch started against Troy. He started a game. He had to because Noah Bedrill wasn't cleared. Right. Right. And so, Jebbia left. Yeah. You. They were in a spot. Now, okay, I'm going to throw a name out for a guy they could look to bring in, and I don't know if this would work, but Jake So there, uh, Jake Garcia, former Miami and Missouri quarterback, his dad, Randy Garcia, mm-hmm. played for Nebraska in the 70s under Tom Osborne. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about a guy like Jake Garcia yeah. from Missouri? Yeah. Um, he, now, he, out of high school, Garcia was highly recruited. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he was one of the top quarterbacks in the country, uh, but I always remember, and Mike Batia, the late Mike Batia, are great. For, I mean, he he had a great um, rapport interviewing Jake back then. You know, with his connection to Nebraska, is that a guy that would come, or did he leave Missouri in Miami? I would assume because he wants to start somewhere. Probably, yeah. It'd be hard to get him again. It's difficult. It's challenging. He was the number ten ranked quarterback in the country coming out of high school. Yeah, I'm just telling you. You look around the volatility of that position and the way kids are thinking now. I mean. You got to be ready at all times for massive movement in that room. You know. All right, let's take it to headline. Yeah, let's get number three, and <laughs> and this is an interesting discussion too. Um, local coach, uh, really, ha- a local coach really sounds off on roster tampering in the transfer portal, and it's developed some interesting debate. Um, her first tweet almost has 700,000 views on it or 637,000. And who is this? Uh, Kristen Booth, the yeah. Creighton women's volleyball coach down the road in Omaha, had one of those 10-part tweets or so where um, she went off on the current state of college athletics with tampering, tampering and essentially good teams and things like NIL being able to infiltrate players at maybe more vulnerable institutions to take those players to those other institutions and volleyball evidently is one of the, the, the biggest culprits, but let's be honest, it's happening in football and we know it is. Well, she alluded to that, but she said, don't let volleyball. She was kind of imploring her colleagues to don't let volleyball become like other sports that are notorious for tampering. So what's tampering? She gives some examples. She does, again, a long thread on Twitter. She says, for, for instance, how do you do it? Well, coaches might even might have their own players reach out to another player. All these players, a lot of these players know each other through the USA Volleyball and the summer programs. So you could do it that way. 
Or um, club coaches. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Club coaches, high school coaches. Or, no, the players can reach out directly to each other. Um, the or, club- the, or, the, or the coaches can reach out, too. And that's it, Again, it's all tampering. And the club coaches in volleyball um, are more powerful in the discussion because the recruiting period happens during club season. So a lot of times the college coaches come to the club facilities mm-hmm. to watch workouts mm-hmm. and watch matches. So it's... It's it can start with a phone call that from a coach from a you know from a division one powerful program coach just reaching out to a high school coach or a club coach or no scratch that reaching out to a, another college program and saying hey is your setter happy um, is she happy because we we have an opportunity we have a scholarship open and we need a setter. And we could win a national title. And by the way, we could throw her fifty grand in IL, an right. apartment, and a car. It's happening. And it's happening. But that's what Boo says. So it's nice. It's it's really refreshing, in my opinion, for Kristen Bernthal Booth to do this, because then it's not Sean Callahan, a sports writer, or Sipple, or whoever, saying that it's happening, and people saying okay well they say it is but how much oh she goes on twitter and says it's rampant like, this is One. what this is what you this is what we figured would happen and here's a coach saying oh yeah it's happening but how do you catch people you can't it becomes an ethical thing and yeah, i'll be absolutely and nothing's gonna happen i'm just telling you because what if what if other what if players blow the whistle on coaches if, you need to have hard like you need what will need to happen is somebody that gets tampered with mm-hmm. needs to have screenshot proof of it yeah. and show it. And usually the good cheaters are pretty savvy. They yeah, They're not going to put anything on a writing, right? Anything. No, that's that you're exactly right. Like you put anything in writing on a text, a DM, God forbid an email. I mean, that lives forever. So on something like this, it's all phone conversation or, or a call needs to be recorded. And, and right, that's a little hard. It's hard. I mean, because you can't really record on an iPhone unless you have like a separate recording device. I mean, think about what goes on. We see it all the time where players, where players go into the portal and shortly thereafter, within a day, announce where they're going. How does that happen, Sean? Because there's previous contact tampering. I mean, they, they go into the portal, but they know exactly where they're going when they're going into the portal, Right. I mean, that's that they've been tampered with before. There's well, yeah, you don't typically go in the portal blind, I right? You, not you, not you, every. No, I, I think some might, but and and they get left behind often. But the good and ones, they stay in the portal. Like, okay, I'll give an example. Wandell Robinson, when he went in the portal, do you think he knew? He, Kentucky, he knew. I mean, yeah, you're right. That's where he's from. Like, right? it was done in like a day. Yeah, that's what I mean. So that you think. I mean, there was some sort of contact with him. Well, as trainer and yeah. you know somebody like that. So, but I I don't know how you can stop this either. I mean, I just don't think there's any way. And well, it's be- part of it is because the NCA doesn't have the manpower to police it. They don't have the just they just it's enforcement staff that doesn't that can't do this. And that's all they would do is try to police this. Well, there's other matters to police. I mean. They got Michigan to worry about. And they don't have like law biting jurisdiction over people outside the institutions. Right. Like club coaches and other folks 
like they they're not a law enforcement agency where like right they they can demand to look at your records and things like no. so this is illuminating i'm glad you pointed it out it's it's a coach it's a division 1 head coach pointing out a massive problem and not just in her sport i mean she's talking about her sport but this is in, this is in certainly men's basketball and football so it's that's good it's good to hear someone but then you see teams like florida atlantic they stay together right Mm-hmm. In basketball, men's basketball. Yeah. Um, but you know, like I think tech in volleyball, Texas is the one that a lot of people are kind of silently pointing the finger at that they're building these super teams of high level, like Kentucky's best player. I believe she transferred to Texas uh, for yeah, volleyball. She did. Yeah, the outside hitter. And that was a that was incredible against Nebraska. But you could play devil's advocate and say, well, Merritt Beeson left Florida, a great program to come mm-hmm. to Nebraska. Like, how did that play out? Yeah, the Texas player that you're talking about that came from Kentucky, you're actually absolutely right. Her name, I, I don't have her name off the top of my head, but she was the she was the key player in the national title match. Um, so yeah, it's it, this is just one of the issues, but, but one of the main issues right now that is challenging college athletics. And John Cook in his post game of the national championship, um, kind of took a dig at Texas and how. He goes, they're going to build their roster different than how we're going to do it. Yeah. Like, and he said essentially that we're going to do it the right way. Yeah. Which, you know, that it's going to be it because Texas is not going away. No. And there's enough NIL there. And especially when you win a national championship, that people are going to be motivated to keep funding NIL for volleyball. Oh, sure. Um, as far as Bernthal goes, I'm a little surprised by her, the way she approaches her thread on Twitter where she, she says she went to the national volleyball convention and learned something. I'm kind of surprised she didn't know this was going on or maybe she went there and learned the extent of what's going on. Um, and, 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 and therefore felt compelled to tell the world about it. Um, which again, I really applaud her for doing it. Yeah. I mean, to go out like that on something, this controversial, it's not easy. No. It's and it's troubling because, like, like you said, what do you do? All right, let's take it to headline number four. I want to talk Big Ten bowl season. Okay, the Big Ten right now, Steve Sipple is rolling um, through the bowl season. Um, you had Northwestern and Minnesota start things off with solid wins, um, but you know the, the big one. I, I thought Rutgers. I mean, beating Miami, getting a seventh win, and you think about how hard it is for Rutgers to even get to seven wins. They automatically play Michigan, Ohio state and Penn state every Mm -hmm. year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Rutgers. That's a, I mean, you're playing in Yankee stadium uh, with an Italian coach and you beat Miami. That's a big, big win. And I, and you know, I've been sort of critical and a little skeptical of the whole bowl scene now because it, because of the, because of so many opt outs and, it's sort of diminished, but man, some of these bowls you watch, it doesn't seem to be diminished. That that bowl you watched it, Sean, was intense. Rutgers, Miami was intense. Oh, I mean, it was tough New Jersey dudes, and they they oh, wanted yeah. to be there. Yeah. There weren't any opt-outs from Rutgers, I'm guessing. I yeah, I don't think so. I, I don't know about Miami, but they're you're right. They played. God. How about um uh, what was the former Indiana coach's name? Um Kevin Wilson. Kevin Wilson's tweet. Pull that up. I'm gonna I'm gonna read it here. 
um, really bizarre for a head coach to do this, but basically calls out Miami, congratulates Rutgers. He goes, doesn't matter how much NIL money you got. Our recruiting rankings has the hands thrown up like that. Um, but for the, for those betting on bowl games, you don't go to Yankee stadium, play the state school of New Jersey, got the New York city mafia all over the place and beat a Scarlet Knight team coached by an Italian. Congrats, Craig Chiano. Yeah, how about that? That's an old school coach. That's an old school coach. But we right we called it earlier in the week that this was probably plausible. Cold weather, ugly day, and the game meant something to Rutgers. That's the key in bowl games. Find the team that it means more. To you got Miami coming up in the cold into mm -hmm. New York City, mm -hmm. and you're from there. I mean, it's a great opportunity. It, yeah, so those Rutgers players, it's Miami, and they say, let let's let's show them. Let's show them something. Let's show them how little tough. Rutgers. Yeah. Let's chop some wood on these guys. And yeah. Shiano gets a special teams touchdown. Yeah, block punt. He's in. a master at special teams points. Yeah, yeah. Rutgers blocks a punt, recovers it in the end zone for a touchdown. And there's Shiano on the sideline pumping both fists. I mean, he's pumping both fists. It was that was intense. And it's good to see because some of these bowl games are more intense than, than others. I watched a few. I watched a couple yesterday that were ultra intense. Kansas State and North Carolina State were getting after it in the Alamo Bowl, and that as you and you've been to that bowl a couple times, right? No, that was that was the the Pop Tarts Bowl in Orlando. Oh God, did I miss that? Okay, so who was playing in the Alamo? Oklahoma, bowl? Arizona. Okay, that was super loud, and that was an intense game. It was intense, intense, and loud. And you've been you've been to that bowl, open air press box. Oh my God, that place is loud. Good crowd there, loud. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I think Thank it was sold correcting. out. Um, I, I mean, it I would, looked like it. I it don't know why like it wouldn't be. I mean, it was right. the highest ranked matchup outside the New Year's Six. Arizona for them, that's a great bowl game. And Oklahoma. eleven and two Arizona now. Eleven and two Arizona. Do they? I thought they won ten games. They won eleven. Did they win eleven? They're eleven. Are you sure two. about that? I'm one hundred percent sure. I'm gonna check that. Check it. Check it. You're, if you can get me on this, I'd be amazed. Arizona. Now, uh, ten and three. No. Yep, ten and three. Are you sure? Yes, I, I just pull it up. Oh my god, that's embarrassing. I'm well, I, I've been listening to the shows all week on other national stuff. So, like, I they were I thought they got, got eleven. Jed Fish gets his got Rick Neuheisel shared just a gold Jed Fish story. This Give week. it to me. So he Arizona head football coach um, during his spring break in college, instead of going to like Daytona Beach or you know beach destination. He was so fascinated by the O.J. Simpson trial. And he realized that, like, you had to have a ticket to get in. And there was, like, a lottery system. So he he couldn't get into the trial. So what Jed Fish did as, like, a young college-age student, he dressed up as a, in a suit and tie. And then he, when he saw the, the legal team for O.J. Simpson, all those lawyers walk in, he just joined their group. And he, and he walked into the courtroom with O.J. Simpson's group of lawyers. That is incredible. <laughs> and it's really smart. because Nobody stopped him. No, because the lawyers themselves probably would just think he's, a, he's maybe part of the team. Or he just works at the courthouse. And so you know? he walks in. And then the next day he goes back and he walked in with Marsha Clark and, and the, the other team. Same type of thing. <laughs> Same type of thing. They don't know who the guy is. but but. but other people don't. You either. put a suit on anybody, you you can yeah. pretty much wheel your way in somewhere. Yep, that's incredible. That tells you a lot about him. I mean, it tells you how he's winning ten games at Arizona, which had been horrible. 
I mean, Kansas, almost Kansas-like horrible. You look at two coaches in the country that have really done well whipping around programs. There's Leipold and Fish. There's my Leipold. One our boy, our boy uh, Andrew Sims, former director of operations at Nebraska last year, uh-huh. um, is the director of ops for Jed Fish. Glad he landed at a place like that. So Andrew, I'm happy for Andrew. He's down there doing great things um, with the Wildcats. But yeah, that was a big game. And Oklahoma, they had six turnovers. Oh God, uh, it's hard to. I mean, Oklahoma going into the SEC, it's not, they're not quite like Texas right now. Now Oklahoma. They won 10 this year, too. I, yeah. I hope they had a good God year. I got that right. But, um, yeah, thanks for correcting me on that. Anyway, I mean, 11 wins a lot of wins. It is. 10. But 10 in Arizona after what Arizona's been through. That guy's doing a great job down there. Yeah, back to, um, like, bowl games. Though. Okay. Like, for Rutgers, you know, the, the fact that they beat Miami. I mean, she, uh, Mario Cristobal, like, Tell, tell those people in Miami those games don't mean much. Mario Cristobal's in the hot seat now. Yeah, it didn't go well for him. You go year. seven and six, right? lose to Rutgers, right. and you have a game against Georgia Tech you lose to because you decided not to kneel it down. Yeah, Remember that game? Oh, oh yeah. He, he is one of the all-time coaching blunders I've ever seen. All they had to do was kneel it out, right. and they ran run plays, right. and they and, fumbled. Yeah, and he, yeah. It, he had a rough year, Sean. Real rough. I mean, I, I, I haven't read the Miami newspapers today. I bet it's pretty rough. I mean, he had his version of the onside kick call in Ireland there. So now you still have Ohio. I think the the most interesting game. I mean, outside Missouri, of, Ohio State. Yeah, left to be played outside the college football playoff is yes, yeah, Missouri, Ohio State. And I mean, there's always pressure at Ohio State, and it's in Mizzou is tough. So that's that's it's Friday night. We can talk about because this will air a little bit before this will this will hit YouTube a little bit before the game. Um, I don't know. Okay, well, you know, Ohio State's going to be without Kyle McCord. You know, they're going to be without Marvin Harrison, who's been at practices. Julian Fleming, Julian Fleming. Um, But they do have. It looks like they're going to have Travion Henderson. It looks like they're going to have Cade Stover. But they're. It's interesting, Sean. There's some guys that aren't that haven't announced, and you're just going to have to wait until game time. This is so weird. It'd be so strange. There's some, you know, high level first team, first unit defenders that they they haven't announced. Yeah, what I wouldn't recommend doing is betting on bowl games. No, no, like, not on think about like yesterday. Boston College was a two touchdown dog mm-hmm. in Fenway Park, a home game for them. So they had their own version of the Pinstripe Bowl in Fenway Park against SMU, who won the American Athletic Conference. And they beat SMU by nine. Wanted it more, probably. Right. Well, it was a home game. Want to, want to. Now, Missouri will probably have more want to, right? Missouri's trying to oh. make its mark as a program. Drinkowitz has got it rolling. Missouri has some players. Luther Burden is actually absolutely one of the best players in the country at wide receiver for them. 1,197 receiving yards. I think he had 89 catches. Um, they have a they have a running back who ran for one thousand five hundred yards. I mean that's Amir Abdullah, um, Cody Schrader. Um, now Mizzou, on the other hand, is sixty third against the pass. They don't defend the pass that well, and you know Ohio State can throw it. Devin Brown is the re, it will be the quarterback for Ohio State. You remember Devin Brown, five star quarterback, so, um, sophomore, played behind. Now here's the deal, Sean. He played behind McCord 
And the reason he played behind Kyle McCord is because he turned it over too many times in practice. So he watched turnovers in that game. And you take out two of the top four receivers. Yeah, yeah. But but they do have Travion Henderson, and they do at Kate at running back, and Cade Stover at tight end. Ohio State has a lot. They, they're they're without some guys, but they 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 have a lot. I don't know how the game will go. I wouldn't touch it if I was a gambler. This is a big it. game for Ryan Day too. It is every game. Well, every game is big for Ryan Day, but one hundred percent. I'm not saying if Ohio State loses that he would get fired. It's not like that. But the pressure just mounts. Oh, it's a. I'm hey Sean. I'm watching it. I don't watch. Sit down and watch too many games. But I'm I'm sitting down and watching. Well, this. Ole Miss, Penn State's intriguing. Yeah, it is. Because how will Penn State's great defense do against Lane Kiffin? I mean, I'm I, yeah. and I, and I want to watch Iowa against Tennessee and a true freshman quarterback. I really interesting. Game. I think Iowa can win this game. Can they get enough offense? They're going to force turnover. They're, they're going to get after this kid. He's mm-hmm. never started. He's a five star hot shot. What do you think those Iowa guys care about that? They don't. They're, I mean, I I think Iowa will win that game and. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I, I think Iowa wow, can win that, that game. Be, that would, it would just be ama- kind of amazing to me if Iowa wins 11 games. And then what happens next? I mean, we assume they hire a new offensive coordinator and, and they move on. But, man, get, well, I, I had this comment. Kirk Ferentz, for him to leave, he's going to get paid out. He's not leaving any money on the table. Mm-hmm. Like, for him to retire. I don't think he'll retire. I don't, I don't think he will. I mean, it's possible. And will they just hire like Paul Chris as the next OC? Yeah, I don't know. That'd be a good hire. It would be excellent. It'd fit. It'd fit perfectly. <laughs> but they have to get some players in there, Sean. They have to get some players. There was like about a week span or people out there really thought Frost was going to be Ferentz's OC. Doesn't fit at ne- all. It was never going to happen. Doesn't fit at all. No fit. Doesn't fit the system. One well, in later in bowl preparations, Ferentz kind of took a dig at Frost. They did. Long quote. Yeah, it was a clear dig. It was basically that it, how hard it is to, to be good at offense in this league and how there was a young coach that thought he had it all figured out on offense and he learned you can't. And it's a t- in, in what he also stresses this is this is a team game. It's it's offense, defense, special teams, and they're not separate entities. You see what I'm saying? Um, Iowa, they're not separate entities. They, they, they meld them together and win double digits. Not all the time, but. They don't have losing seasons, you know. They don't. All right, let's go into the final headline here. Headline five. Let's preview the college football playoff games that will Can take do. place on New Year's Day. By the way, Steve Sipple, the way it should always be. <laughs> Why do you say that, Sean? I mean, I want to be home at New Year's Day watching the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl where they mean something. And we're going to get that this year. New Year's Day. New Year's I wanna, Day. I want to see that sunset on the mountain on New Year's Day in Pasadena, California. Mm-hmm. That'll be Michigan-Bama, and it doesn't get – I mean, that's the two winningest programs in college football. That will be one of the highest rated – I mean, I know the championship game will be high rated, but that rating on that Rose Bowl will be massive. I I mean, I like I like Bama to beat Michigan. Um, why? You can't play bully ball against Bama. Here's why. Well, that that's part of it. First of all, just big picture – you have Nick Saban with a month to prepare. By the way, Nick Saban with a month to repair, prepare, excuse me, prepare, and he hires a former Michigan linebackers coach to help him. Um, also, think about it, Sean. Michigan has not faced a quarterback all season, all season like Jalen Milrow. They faced Penn State. 
with Aller, Drew Aller, who can't throw it downfield. He, he just can't throw it downfield. They faced Ohio State with Kyle McCord, who can't run. Now they, they play Alabama with a quarterback who can throw it downfield and run. And I think he could be – that could be the difference in this game. Michigan doesn't make mistakes. They're very sound, but they, they – you know, their pass rush, they don't have Aiden Hutchinson and Ojebu coming off the edge. They, they're not That's a great what's interesting rush. about this team. Like, their defense, I feel like a couple of years ago, was better than what this one is. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, as far as draft picks and star power. Yeah. Like, it, I don't know if there's just a bona fide top-level first-rounder on that defense. I don't think there is. They just have a lot of good guys that know their role. They're awfully good. Yeah, and they have depth. They have depth. Yeah, a lot of depth up front in particular. They just roll their defensive linemen. They're three deep at pretty much each defensive line. Because on spot. all conference voting, it was hard just to look at stats because none of their players had stats because nobody has to play. They don't play very much. They don't have to play a lot of plays. So I like Bama and I like Texas. Um, Washington's offense stalled a little bit in November. 20, 22 points against Oregon State, Sean. 24 against Washington State. That's all Washington got. And and that they are they are 120th in the country UW against the pass Quinn Ewers Quinn Ewers could light them up now you could also say Michael Penix will light up Texas I think he could Texas's pass defense is pretty suspect too but I just think Texas has more ammunition boy DeBoer's good though oh I know he is I know you love him I know you love him I mean he's from small town South Dakota mm -hmm. he's the football version of Tim Miles from South. Just, you know, a guy that grew up in a small town. He became a big-time coach. Mm -hmm. um, he, he grew up following Nebraska. I mean, you hear that a lot about DeBoer. Oh, yeah. Here's the thing. I mean, nobody, hardly anybody, you tell me that. You tell me I'm wrong here. N nobody, not many people thought UW would beat Oregon in the Pac-12 title game. They were, they were huge dogs. Yeah, they're almost double-digit underdogs. Now, that's that's the thing that you keep in mind as you go into this game, that's the thing that kind of tugs me away from picking Texas. I still, I still like Texas mainly because the off that offense for Washington, which is high powered stalled a little bit in November, that would concern me. And they just don't defend the pass. Well, and you know, Texas has Xavier worthy, Adane Mitchell. Um, I just think that I, I think they'll put, so you got Texas, there. Alabama, Texas, Alabama, and, and that will be played in Houston. I don't disagree with you. I, I think Washington. I don't. I just can't. Like I, we both agree on this. I, I just can't see Michigan's history in the playoffs. This concerns me. Yeah, they got blown out by Georgia. I mean, we just got manhandled by Georgia a couple screwed years. Screwed the pooch against this just TCU. Out, they're out of character in that game. That's what I remember watching last year, thinking, "What are you doing, Michigan? You're down on the goal line and you run a trick play. I mean, just do do your Michigan thing. Pulverize them." They got out of kind of strangely out of character. When Zinter's out, yeah, Zach Zinter, the, the, the best guard. offensive lineman in the Big Ten, the All American guard. You're right. Um, now, I I think we we have the tone of a that we think Michigan could get hammered. I don't think it, they'll get hammered. They play um, a style that's really hard to get blown out, right? And we have to remember that Alabama just a couple of weeks ago barely beat Auburn. Took a miracle. Yeah, if that. So if, my question is like, what if? Alabama would have lost that game and then won the SEC. Would Florida State have got the last spot? Yes. Yes. Over a two. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Sure. Or would Georgia have got in with one loss? Uh, no, Florida State. 
I mean, I think Florida State would. Thank have goodness it. that this is it for this four team, and 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 it's amazing that it only happened one time where a scenario like this played yeah. out. But n- next year it won't be a problem. No, and I haven't thought too much about the twelve team, but I, yeah, it should be it should be better. Well, and even like okay, James Madison, Oregon. I don't really care about that game at all. But next year that would be a playoff game pop, and you, you'd care more about watching that game. Oh yeah, a little bit more juice for sure. The big thing will be you've said this. In a 12-teamer, those those first-round buys are critical. Whoever gets the four first-round buys. The four highest-ranked conference champions. Yeah, those are critical. Well, and there's technically only four leagues now that are power five, yeah. power four now. So, yeah, they are – They are. I'm, I'm with you 100%. Glad they're playing this on New Year's Day, these games, and they will be great games. They will be great games. Fascinating. That first game in the Rose Bowl, my God. I mean, it's it's appointment TV. All right. Well, uh, plenty to keep up on. Uh, thanks for joining us here on this pre-New Year's Eve edition of Husker Online Headlines. Uh, make sure you like and follow and subscribe to us. Also, uh, we've got a great deal for our YouTube viewers. Get two months of access for $1 by simply using promo code NU1. Uh, for Steve Sipple, I'm Sean Callahan, hoping everybody has a great, safe, happy new year we'll be back next week uh show schedules next week will be tuesday and thursday uh thanks again for joining us on another edition of husker online headlines